Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Because we are verse by verse, we, we, we do verse by verse teaching, but because it's uh, Passion Week, we're going to take a break and go into Mark chapter 11, verses 1 through 11 today. Uh, and let's go ahead and read the Word of God. It says, Now when they drew near to Jerusalem to Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever set. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord has need of it, and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at, at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing, untying the colt? And they told them what Jesus had said. And they let, uh, let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus, and they threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the kingdom of, of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he had looked around at everything as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for uh, being able to come together and uh, just be in your word. Uh, we seek application, Lord. Uh, as we enter into Passion Week, I, I pray that, you know, our pursuit of, of holiness, our pursuit of righteousness, Lord, I know that we, each of us, including myself, we all fall short, Lord. And, and by the grace of God, Lord, you still love us. We're your children. Um, but I pray, Lord, there'll be some that, that may come next week, that we had some that were at the, at the uh, football field that came to know Christ and um, we just pray, Lord, that you would uh, just do a mighty work in their lives as well as ours. Allow us to seek application in your word. Allow us to live your word out in this community, in our marriages, and in our families. We thank you so much for all that you're doing. We ask these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. All right, so I entitled this simply, Save Us, We Pray, Messiah. Save Us, We Pray, Messiah. We'll look at it simply in two parts. The first part in verses 1 through 7, Jesus sends for a colt. And then in verses 8 through 11, Jesus and the coming kingdom. Now this is uh, the second triumphal entry. Remember, one of the first triumphal entries is when Jesus was born. The second being this triumphal entry as he comes to be worshipped. This is the only time publicly that he was worshipped. And it was to fulfill scripture. But there'll be another triumphal entry that'll come because Jesus is returning. 
And, and so as we get into these scriptures, we need to look at this and remember that this week, what Passion Week is, is a reminder to us of uh, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. One of the things I talked about is we're actually on Wednesday night. We're going to go through the scripture. We're going to look at what Jesus had happening on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. And then your assignment is going to be to read either the book of Luke or Mark or John or Matthew and read the account of the crucifixion. And I would like for you to watch Passion of the Christ if you can. Um, and it's, it's honestly just to, to, to understand the uh, extent of Jesus' love for us. That he went and died on the cross for us. And so as we get into Passover and we get into the triumphal entry, we have to remember this is coming right after the death of, of, of Lazarus and then the resurrection of Lazarus. And so they, at this point, what, what they want is they want to kill not only Jesus, but they want to kill Lazarus now too. Because you have about a population of about 80,000 people in Jerusalem, in this area. Now, during Passover, you have about 2 to 3 million people. Think about that. Think about having somewhere like if you have Natalia, Lytle, and, and Divine all and have the population triple or double within a, a weekend period. And everybody's hearing about Jesus. Everybody's hearing about the miracles. The casting out of demons. Him teaching with authority. And it's, it's, there's a buzz in the city. People are waiting to hear from God. When people come to Passover, they were waiting to hear from God. And Jesus had told the disciples in Mark chapter 10, verse 33 and 34, He says, saying, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will, will be delivered over to the chief priests and the scribes, and they will condemn Him to death and deliver Him over to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and spit on him and flog him and kill him. And after three days, he will rise. And Jesus tells the disciples that he's going into Jerusalem to be killed. Which means in their mind, they're thinking, we're going to be killed as well. And one of the things that I love about Thomas is Thomas says in, in John eleven sixteen, Let us also go that we may die with him. And that should actually be our heart as well. In America, we haven't hit persecution the way that they have in the Middle East. You come to no faith, you can lose your head, literally. You know, persecution in America sometimes is, oh, we, the air conditioning went out. We're being persecuted. No. We need to have that same heart that Thomas has, which says, let us also go that we may die with him. You were called to die and pick up your cross daily, right? And our fear and our reverence should be in Jesus Christ. Remember, Jesus rode into Jerusalem to conquer, not to conquer the city like an earthly king, but He came into Jerusalem. He came to conquer your heart and mine. He's reminding us that I came for you. What I'm doing on the cross is for you. It's not about Easter bunnies. and It's amazing, right? Earth has become what? Santa Claus. What did the world do with Easter? Easter bunny. The devil's in the details. Right? 
And, and, and so at the end of the day, it's, it's always to take our focus off of who Jesus is. Let's look at that verse. Verse It says, Jesus sends for a colt. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples. And they said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever set. Untie it and bring it. So when we, we, we look at Bethphage and Bethany, uh, one of the things that we do need to remember is like these two areas would have been just the amount of distance that you could not travel beyond because of the Sabbath. So it, it, was, it was less than a mile. And so they, they, could, they could go back and forth, but they couldn't go to the temple, right? Uh, and the other thing is, is Bethany is actually where most of the people are lodging. And this is actually the home base of Jesus' last week of ministry, where he's going to be at. So remember, he has crowds following him everywhere. He had crowds following him because he was doing what? He was feeding people. He was doing miracles. He was healing people. He was casting out demons. He was teaching with authority. So he had crowds. As soon as he comes out, crowds were there ready to see, wanting to see. And so even during the Passover, they would have been, the, the buzz would have been there. They would have been looking for Jesus. And also we know that the, the two disciples, he says he sent two disciples. Which two disciples? We don't know. Right? It doesn't give us the names of the two disciples that were sent. Can you imagine you're being sent to go get a, a donkey, a colt, to go, hey, Jesus said, just come take the colt, right? And you're going to go do that. But they were, being, they, were, they were being obedient to Jesus at the time. And, and it says, Jesus sent the two of his disciples and said to them, go into the village in front of, the, in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find an, a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it. And we'll send it back here immediately. And one of the things that we know is that, that Jesus is in control. And one of the things they're talking about is, is making a, a makeshift uh, cloaks for him as a saddle. It, it's, it's a reminder to us that Jesus is in control. It's, a, it's an unbridled animal. An animal that's never been read before, rode before. Right? If you think about, I, I'm old, so I, I, I remember Lonesome Dove watching that with my grandparents. And Captain Call, when he used to have to try to break those horses, he, he got bucked off quite a bit and bit. And so when you, when you get on an unbridled animal, you're going to know. It's the first time you're trying to throw a saddle on it, you're going to get bucked off. And so one of the things we know is that when Jesus is in control as he sits on that horse, it's the same control that he had when he told Peter about fishing. Peter's been fishing his whole life, right? Yeah, it's the worst thing in the world when you're fishing and you ain't catching anything and then somebody said, well, try this, do this. It's almost like when you're golfing and you can't, you're not hitting anything. And the whole, golf, the whole time you're playing 18 holes, they have you switching, swing, you know, do this, try that, do that. And then by the time you're done, you're like, I didn't do anything right. But Peter is there and he's, he's, fishing and and jesus tells him in luke chapter 5 verses 4 and 6 and when he had finished speaking he said simon put out into the deep and let down your nets 
And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. And Jesus is in control. And one of the things we need to remember is as this is being set up, it's been orchestrated from the beginning. This is not something that this is a plan B or a plan C. This is always how it was going to be. If we look at Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, I'm going to read all of this, so just hang in there with me. In Psalm chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, and I love this because it's a reminder to us in our time that we're in now that God is in control, that Jesus is in control. It says, Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves, and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away the cords from us. He who sits in heaven laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. See, whatever's going on here, Jesus and, and God are like, you're not in control. What Putin's doing or, or what's happening in the Ukraine, God is in control. God has put people in place. We look at our country and go, Lord... God is trying to wake our country up to get back to following Him. We are in a tailspin. And no pun there, that used to be a Disney show. Because don't, don't think that they're not coming after your kids. They are. It's sad to see where our country's going. But I love that, that it says that, that he who sits in heaven laughs. He's in control. The Lord holds them in, them in derision. Then He will speak to them in His wrath and terrify them in His fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. I will tell you of, your, of the decree. The Lord said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will make the nations your heritage and the ends of the earth your possession, and you shall break them with a rod of iron and dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore, O king, be wise, be warned, O rulers of earth, serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the son, lest he be angry. And you perish in the way, for the wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. And remember, there was Satan that offered Jesus Hey, I can give you all of this. Just worship me. Right? But God is in control. And Jesus refused that because Christ will rule. Christ, Christ will return. And any, anyone that opposes Him will be smashed like clay pots. Jesus was in control when He spoke to Pontius Pilate in John 19, 10, and 11. So Pilate said to Him, You will not speak to me. Do you not... Know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? And Jesus answered him, You will have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. When Peter was delivered up, Peter even said it very plainly in Acts chapter 2, verse 23. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan. This was always the plan. Passion Week, everything that's going to happen, it was always the plan. 
and the foreknowledge of God you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. But yet Jesus is in control. We know that He sits at the right hand of God in Colossians chapter 3, verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And Jesus is in control of His children to each detail. In Revelation chapter 22, verses 12, it says, Behold, I am coming soon. I love that verse. I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me to repay each one for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. I love that because it's a reminder to us as he sends these two disciples out, everything's there because it needs to be there. The cult is there because it needs to be there because Jesus is in control. But he says, if anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say the Lord has need of it. And we'll send it back here immediately. Now, I, I can tell you I love this verse because I saw this verse worked out last week. When I think about the Lord having need of it, the Lord has need of your time, your talent, and your treasure. Okay? That's how, that's how that works. The Lord has need of it. He's blessed each one of us with a gift. Some of us multiple gifts. We're to be using them. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The Lord had need of it. Pastor Leonard, when we were putting the, the, the event together, he had this put on his heart. He wanted to baptize people at the football stadium. He asked me, Mike, what do you think? I'm like, if God gave it to you, let's go for it. Well, we didn't have a horse trough. We didn't have anything to baptize. So that was our first prayer. We were like, Lord, if this is going to happen, somebody's going to need to... The Lord has need of it, right? Levi from the tra uh, tractor supply store calls us and says, hey, y'all can use it. Come pick it up. We got it Friday, the night before the event. Now, most people would be all good. The fire department comes, they fill it up, and guess what? Brand new, and it's leaking. Now, most of us would have done what? Just put it behind the stage, we're done, right? Not Leonard. This is what I love about Leonard's heart. Leonard had something that he knew that the Lord had need of, and he took that step of faith, and he goes, can we fix it? Greg, his friend from the church, goes and gets plumber's putty. They seal it up. They fill it back up again. We didn't think anybody was getting baptized. They did the altar call. A lot of hands went up. We had one little girl bolted down the, the stage. Boom. She came all the way from the stadium all the way onto the, the football field. Leonard's talking to her. As soon as, as soon as they turned her around, she freaked out when she saw the crowd. And she was like, I'm not doing it. So we were like, okay. And so Leonard got on his knees and started praying. Lord had need of it. Lord had put it on his heart to do it. And then little Christian got baptized. One of our, our kids here at this church. And then Coral got baptized. And then two of Pastor Leonard's church people got baptized. Now see, it would have been very easy to go, not my problem. 
But it was put on his heart to do. And look, sometimes we don't have it. Sometimes all I have is my time and my talent. That's it. That's all I got. And then there are times when I have my treasure, and that's, that's his. But it's a reminder to us that sometimes we don't even have it. We didn't even have it, and God provided it. God sent us to the tractor supply store because the Lord had need of it. And it's a reminder to us that we need to take that step of faith that God has good works that he's prepared beforehand for you to do. You have the Holy Spirit that resides in you. If you give in your life to Christ, the Holy Spirit resides in you. It guides you, directs you. And just like that, Leonard steps out in faith and says, hey, what do you think about baptism? I'm all for it. Let's dunk them. Right? That's what I was like. Let's dunk them. And, and just in case, if there's anybody here, because this is what's really cool, is we got to see the churches working together. There are multiple churches that put that event on. And Leonard was like, Mike, if we need to baptize Coral again, because Mama wasn't there, we'll do it again. But he was like, if y'all have anybody that needs to be baptized, and if we have anybody that needs to be baptized, let's do a Sunday evening dinner, and let's get together, and let's baptize them. And that's the Baptist Church and the Calvary Chapel Church working together, because what? We're the body of Christ. I love that because that's community working together. And so if there's anybody that, that get with me anytime after service on Wednesday, just let me know, hey, I'm, I want to get baptized. We'll do it. We'll do it. Because at the end of the day, praise God, it's, it's an awesome thing. But if the Lord has need of it, whether it's your time, your talent, your treasure, you need to step out in faith and, and, and do what God's calling you to do. And it says, and they went out, and they went away and found a colt tied at the door outside the, in the street. And they untied it, and, and then some of those standing there uh, said to them, What are you doing, untying that colt? And they told them what Jesus had said. And they let them go, and they brought the colt to Jesus and threw uh, their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. I always remember Pastor Joe, he would always talk about, you know, having to be that one that gets to say, Hey, the Lord has need of it. I, I, I'll tease Joe and I'll tell him, hey, uh, the, Lord, I, the Lord said he has need of it. I need your, your, your accuracy. I need to go to Corpus because the Lord has need of it. But can you imagine telling somebody that? Hey, Jesus said the Lord has need of it. we got to take it. We'll bring it back. Right? But that's, that's an amazing thing. I love that. But remember now, again, it's a cult that, that's never been ridden. And, and it says in, in that verse, in verse 6, And they told them, and Jesus said, and they let him go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it, and he sat on it. Now when Jesus sits on it, you need to remember that Jesus has full authority over creation. So it's not, now you may go, well, he's just sitting on a colt. Man, you'll get bucked off. You ever try to sit on, I mean, I don't know any of y'all watch 1883. Even when they tried to get on that one colt, they had to take it in the water to try to, to wear it down before they could even try to get the saddle on it. It, it is a process to break a colt. It's not easy. And so Jesus has authority over creation. But he's also doing this because he's fulfilling 
right? Matthew chapter 21 verse 4 says, This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet saying. And then that prophecy that was fulfilled is in Zechariah 9.9. In Zechariah 9.9 it says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, your king is coming to you, righteous and having salvation. He is humble and mounted on a donkey, on a donkey, on a colt, the fowl of a donkey. And this is the only public demonstration that Jesus allowed during his ministry. And the only reason he allowed it was to fulfill Scripture. That was it. It was to fulfill Scripture. And if we look at the, 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 the context of Scripture, how many Scriptures are fulfilled during Passion Week? Alone, right? Just think about the, the promise of the offspring in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and her offspring, and he shall bruise your head, and you shall bruise his heel. In Galatians chapter 4, 4, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law. In Isaiah 7, 14, it says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. He has to be born and, and then moved to Egypt, right? In Hosea 11, uh, 11, verse 1, When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. And why was that done? Because Herod was killing all the babies. And that, that's from Scripture too that had to be fulfilled. In Jeremiah 31, 15, thus, the Lord, thus says the Lord, A voice is heard in Ramah, lamentations and bitter weeping. Rachel is weeping for her children. She refuses to be comforted for her children because they are no more. We know that Jesus has to be despised, rejected, and, turned, and, and people will turn away from him. In Isaiah 53, 3, He was despised and rejected by man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And as one of whom men hide their faces. He was despised and he was esteemed not. Another prophecy is he's a coming Messiah who is like Moses in Deuteronomy 8.18. I will raise up for you the prophet like you from among their brothers and I will put my words in his mouth and he shall speak to them all that I command him. He will come as a suffering servant in, in Isaiah 61 verses 1 and 2. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim the liberty to the captives, and, open, and the opening of the prisons to those who are bound to proclaim this year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our Lord to comfort all who mourn. We know that he is going to go to, to be slain as a, as a lamb. And, and be silent. In Isaiah 53, 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, like a sheep that is before the shearer is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Even when he's on the cross, there's prophecy that's fulfilled that he can't accept the sour wine. And, and uh, Psalm 69, verse 21, they gave me poison for food and for my thirst they gave me sour wine to drink. All these prophecies are being fulfilled. And so when people say that, well, there's nothing in the Bible that proves that, that Jesus is who he says he is, it's not true. It's not true. It's, it's, a lot of times what it is is they don't want to actually read the Bible. 
They don't want to believe the Bible. One of the things that happens today is people want to be moved by feeling and emotion. They don't want to go by facts. That's why we see the chaos we see in our, in our world today. TikTok and Instagram, they've become something that kids go to for their news. And how much of it is really news? It's just people putting stuff up. Moving, moving opinions, moving, moving directions. That's why there's so much misinformation out there. Because nobody wants to go to the real information that's in front of them. The evidence is in front of us in the Bible. It's been proven. Even to the point of, of, of the cult, when Jesus sat on the cult, the specific day, the day has been proven. To the exact day. The day that he comes in on the triumphal entry, on the exact day from when Daniel said it. And people will still go, well, I don't know if I can believe it. Remember what I told you about prophecy in Revelation chapter 19, verse 10. It says, For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. All prophecy points to Christ. All of it. The very beginning of the book to the end of the book, it's all about Jesus. Because that's the main need that we have in our life, is to be forgiven of our sins. It's not the ticket to heaven. See, we tell people that all the time. Well, man, do you want to be in heaven with Christ? No, do you want to be forgiven of your sins? You're guilty. That's, that's a bonus. Because you can't pay that debt. And so when he sits on that, on that donkey, he's fulfilling Scripture that goes back to Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 and 25. In Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 and 25, it says, Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to, the, uh, to sin and to atone for the iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Now therefore, and understand that from the, from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem on the coming of, of an anointed one, a prince shall, and a prince, there shall be seven weeks, then for 62 weeks it shall be built again with squares, moat, and built in troubled times. What is he talking about? Now, actually, it's talking about the, the prophecy that was uh, from Nehemiah. When Nehemiah decides, I'm going to go and help build the wall to the exact day in the month of Nisan. It says it in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 1, in the month of Nisan, the exact day. And the math has been done. It, it, it was actually done, and, and you can read the book. It's by the coming prince by Sir Robert Anderson. To the exact day. And people don't believe the Bible. It's in Scripture. It was given to us for a purpose. We're in the book of Daniel. We're in chapter 8. We will get to chapter 9, and I will break this down further when we get to chapter 9. I will actually show you the math. Now, that's probably my worst subject, but I'll show it to you. I wasn't great at it. But thank, thank the Lord for Sir Robert Anderson, right? Because he, he figured it out. But it's amazing that on April 6, 32 AD, Jesus rides in on the colt. 
on the exact day he was supposed to do it. In verse 8, as we see the Jesus and the coming king, And many spread their cloaks on the road, and others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And so we remember now, we got historians will tell us that it's about 80,000 people that are currently living in, these, the, in the area of Jerusalem. But during Passover, it's between 2 to 3 million people. And the people come anticipating to hear from God. Right? Question for you. Do you do that when you come in on Sunday? Do you come anticipating to hear from the Lord? I'm not trying to make you feel guilty because when I asked myself that question, I was like, am I? When I come in on Wednesday, am I anticipating to hear from God? Right? When I went to the football field, was I coming in anticipating to hear from God? It's, it's, a, it's a reminder to us. It's like when we come to church, when they came to Passover, they were wanting to hear from God. When we open His Word, are we coming ready to hear from God? Right? And I love this because Jesus rides in in humility. Because the Romans would have had everything. They would have had the armies, they would have had the treasures, they would have had uh, all the other stuff that goes with it, and then they would have had their war horses and their king crowned and on a war horse. But how does Jesus come in? With humility. With humility. With meekness. On a colt. Because this is not his time to be the conquering king. Oh, that's coming. See, people think his second coming is going to be, oh, he's just going to love everybody. He's going to let everybody into heaven. No. That's, that's not what the scripture says. Now, as, he's, as we read these, uh, that they're, they're laying down their cloaks and their, their palm trees. One of the things we know that is palm trees that were being laid down. It says branches. John 12, verse 13 says, so they took branches of palm trees. And remember, when Mark's writing this, he's writing this to a Roman audience, not a, uh, not a Jewish audience the way that Matthew would. Remember, Muhammad came in. When Muhammad came in to Mecca, what did he do? He was the king of war. Right? And you either, you either converted or you were killed. When Jesus rode in on a donkey, he came in humbly as a lamb. But his second coming will be, he'll be coming as a lion, as a king. And, and, and you can read about his second coming because I, I, this is where I think a lot of people forget uh, about his second coming in Revelation 19, verse 11. It says, Then I saw him, uh, then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, the one sitting on it, called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Does that sound like a lamb? No. His eyes are like a flame of fire. On his head are many diadems. And he has, he has a name written that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he, he is called is the Word of God. And the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, were uh, following him in, in white horses. 
And from his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations. And he will rule them with a, a rod of iron. Back to Psalm 2, right? And he will tread, tread the winepress of fury and wrath of God the Almighty on the robe and on the thigh. He has the name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. The King of Kings will come. During this moment, he's humbly on a colt. But when he comes, the sword. The blood, dipped in blood. Making war. See, we, we forget that. John the Baptist told us that he was going to come as a lamb. Remember in John chapter 1, verse 20, uh, 29, it says the next day he saw Jesus toward toward him and he said behold the lamb of god who takes away the sins of the world or the sin of the world the lamb of god and yet we'll see him come as the conquering king this time he comes in humility his next triumphal entry will be the lion and he comes to make war And for us, it's a reminder to us, what are we to do? Are we supposed to be making war here? No. <laughs> but we're ready to do that, right? If we look at 20, 20, 21 and all of that, we're ready to make war with everybody. Everybody's arguing about everything. We're to serve in humility and meekness. To be loving. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't share truth. But you share it with love and grace. Matthew chapter three, uh, Matthew chapter five, verse three and five, uh, the Beatitudes. I love it. Says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth." We are to be humble servants of Jesus. Jesus will be the one making war, not you. Right? Not you. Some of us are making war online. I, man, I'll admit it, in 2020, I was making war. I was so upset with everything. I was ready to make war. Because I was like, y'all, I can't believe, are y'all reading the book of Revelation? Do you read the book of Daniel? If you start reading the prophecies, you'll see that this is a one world order. You'll see that this is all supposed to be lining up to go to, to a direction. We need to be busy about teaching people about Christ. And instead, what we had happen is we had vaccinated, unvaccinated, right versus left. This president, this president. We argued about everything. Think about it. We argued mask, no mask. We argued about everything. And people still want to argue. Don't make war. Be humble. Be servant. Share truth. But do it with grace and love. That's a hard thing to do. That takes, man, that takes a heart. <laughs> that takes a heart that God, God is going to use, man, in a mighty way. And we need to be, be willing to do that. Because people are fired up. They'll argue over anything now. And all. I mean, they argue over anything. Verse 9 says, And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming king of, of our father David. Hosanna in the highest you got to imagine this is about two to three million people when worship breaks out. Everybody's singing. 
Worship breaks out. Hosanna. Hosanna in the highest. Everybody's singing. And I love that because it's, it's, it's a reminder to us that, you know, you know, when we come in, we come in to worship God. We come in to, to sing, and Sarah sings beautifully. And, and, you know, even if you don't make a joyful noise like me, you still should sing because you make a joyful noise to him. And, and it's to usher us into his word. In Psalm 118, it says, and 25 and 26, it says, Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We, we bless you from the house of the Lord. It's, it's, it's that same scripture of, of crying out. It's the same crying out that happened when Nehemiah was rebuilding the wall as they worshipped. As they finished it. And they cried out to God in worship. But what were the religious leaders doing? What were the religious doing? In Luke chapter 19, verses 39 through 40, it says, And some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, speaking to Jesus, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. Not supposed to be doing this. And what does Jesus reply? He answered, I tell you, if, if they were silent, the very stones would cry out. Do you realize when we don't worship, the very, the very stones cry out? Creation cries out. Because it's yearning for His Son to return. Everything is moving in that direction. And it's the religious that try to rebuke people. The religion. I'm going to tell you right now, religion is, is, is dead. God has called you to a relationship with Him. And it's, it's the religious that will do stuff like this. Rebuke your disciples. We don't do that. But we see that today with the religious people. Well, you can't... Y'all are not supposed to be working together as churches. Who said y'all could do that? God. See, religion, religion will keep you from doing those things. We're in a relationship with Christ. And, and so we need to be very careful that we don't end up like the religious. We're going to go over that Wednesday. Because that's part of it. You whitewash tombs. Because his last, Jesus' last teaching, his last preaching was on religion and the religious. You whitewash tombs. You're just full of dead bones inside. There's no life in you. That's not what God's called us to be. He heads to the temple. As they're crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. And he entered Jerusalem and went into the temple. And when he looked around at everything, as it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Now why did he break it up right then? Mark says he just kind of left, right? Was it late? Because it, and maybe, you know, we know that Jesus wasn't a silver saint. He was 30, right? 33. But what it was is he did not want him to worship him for the wrong reasons. They were, what are they looking for? 
They're looking to overthrow the Roman Empire. So he breaks it up. At that moment, we're, we're done. We've done what we need to do. Scripture's been fulfilled. And you know, it's crazy because those people who are crying out, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest, will be crying out, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And that's what's happening. A man of no guilt, a man of no sin. And they take a murderer, Barabbas. We'll take Barabbas, crucify him, crucify him. And, and it's just a reminder to us that, that Jesus, we're his children. And, and it's amazing that, that worship is, we come in, we worship, we, we're ready to hear from God on Sunday. And what we need to be careful with is not to allow Satan to pull that away from us today. Remember what I told you all right after the event? Be careful because at your weakest time is when Satan comes in, when you're the most tired. That's when Satan swoops in and tries to get you. I knew today was going to be a tough message. Because Teresa's mother fell yesterday and uh, fractured her shoulder. Fell in the yard by herself. A neighbor heard her crying from on the ground. And so Teresa rushes to help her. And then as soon as we get home, Lena starts having contractions. It's way too early. Off to the emergency room she goes. Grandkids are with us. <laughs> they don't go to bed early. And, and, you know, again, at your most tired, what are you going to do? That's when Satan's going to come to attack. And so we need to be very careful. It's like we need to remember we're children of God. We belong to Him. We, we're filled with the Holy Spirit. We can ask for, Lord, fill me with, with your strength today because I don't have it. Give me your peace today because it's not here. Oh, we had a flat tire too. <laughs> I had a nail like that big out the tire. It was bent. And I mean, it was a big nail. I was like, Lord have mercy. She couldn't take the car because the, the car was flat. So we were like, yeah, in the midst of, this was all happening yesterday. And I was like, well, it's Passion Week. <laughs> right? It's like God, God, is, God is still in, on the throne. Jesus is sitting at his right hand, and we need to remember that. Remember that Jesus destroys Satan. Jesus destroys sin. And, and, and for us as well, he's delivering us. When we fall, we stumble. He's right there, ready to help you up. All you have to do is repent. Just repent and and man, it's this is it shouldn't be for us. I don't know why we think for some reason we think Easter is something that the church should get excited about. Actually, we should be excited every day that we get to come to church. It shouldn't just be Easter, but that's how it is sometimes. Oh, we got to do all these special things during Easter. We <laughs> we do them all the time. Let's do them all the time. Let's be involved in the community. Let's show God's love in the community as a church and our marriages and in our families. To love our neighbors. And, and I always, I've, I've always been asked that. Who's my neighbor? Everybody is your neighbor. Everybody. You don't get to pick and choose who you love. God says love your neighbor. That's everybody. 
And so on the day that he was supposed to come in on the triumphal entry on an unbridled horse, a colt, a donkey, the exact day on April 6th, he came in to fulfill Scripture. And so if, you're, if you ever have, because I know we all have family members that go, I don't know if I can believe the Bible. Show them. Show them Zechariah 9.9. Show them Daniel chapter 9. Show them Nehemiah. We're actually in Nehemiah chapter 2 verse 1. Show them. Say it's here. Now whether you believe it, it's on you. But I'll show you. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.